live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar. Wow, I thought it was a big deal when we had Danny Rojas do yeah. our introduction here on Football Americas. Herc, you took it to another level with Dino. Bravo. Thank you, my friend. What can I say? I've got uh, friends in high places. Yes, you do. You have many, many friends wanting to celebrate you turning 40 years old, which I will once again remind <laughs> our audience. It didn't even take 40 seconds for you to bring that up. <laughs> uh, happened yesterday. So uh, happy birthday to Hercules Gomez. we got a lot to celebrate in terms of Herc, but also on this show, we got an interview, Herc, with Kellen Acosta, of course, of the U.S. men's national team, also LAFC. So kind of the perfect time to talk to him about everything that's going on. We got Christian Pulisic in the Champions League against Real Madrid, no less. So we will discuss that as well. We got a look ahead to the U.S. women's national team. They got a doubleheader coming up against Uzbekistan. And of course, we are not done yet with the World Cup draw. We're going to play with some brackets, talk about some potential quinto partidos. And yes, look at Canada's draw, which we have not gotten to just yet. But let's start this edition of Football Americas with the CONCACAF Champions League. That's right, Hercules Gomez, your beloved Seattle Sounders taking on New York City FC first leg Wednesday night at Lumen Field. Pick this one up, just about the quarter hour mark. Seattle going ahead, a beautiful goal, Albert Rusnak. What about the ball from Jordan Morris? Beautiful touch to set it up, nice little entry pass, and then one-time finish by Albert Rusnak. Playing as an eight, that's right, as an eight. New York City would get their equalizer about 10 minutes later. Tati Castellanos, the setup, Thiago, the finish. This is a very heads up play uh, by Tati. How about this? This is off a throw in. This cannot happen for New York City FC. Off a throw in. And then Roldan, who's absolutely killing it this year, to Jordan Morris. And Jordan Morris roofs that. Seattle going up 2-1. It would stay that way into the second half. Oh, we got some drama. Raul Ruiz Diaz goes down in the box. Nothing called at first. Eventually, we see some contact on Thiago Herc. A penalty for you? Yeah, I kicked him. How is that not a penalty? Nah, your pro sounders ways are coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicola Ledo converts from the spot in the 68th minute. And that was all she wrote as Seattle with a little bit of help from VAR. Uh, pick with up a, little a bit three. Of help to one victory in the first leg. The second leg, of course, coming up April 13th in Harrison, New Jersey. We should point out a Red Bull Arena and not Yankee Stadium. All right, Herc, let's break this one down. Let's start with Seattle. What'd you make of their performance? Because, boy, I don't, I don't think you could ask for much more, right? Well, you could ask for much more because we gave you a very clean, very short, edited version of those highlights. Mm -hmm. They had plenty of opportunities to, to pretty much make this a, a three or four goal um, legged affair. It, it very much was reminiscent of the uh, Leon first leg at Lumen Field. Do you remember that first leg where you mm -hmm. felt like, wow, this could have been a lot worse than the scoreline? It definitely could have been a lot worse than the scoreline. Listen, before this game, uh, I remember talking with a few folks and I said, if styles make fights, this will be a great fight. The way that New York City presses, how they love to have the ball, how they will go up the field and leave the spaces for you. Uh, well, a team like Seattle, you can't leave those spaces because they, they'll be okay with you having the ball, but uh, it's going to be an open track meet for them. It's going to be open space. It's going to be off to the races, and that's what they made it. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz has still not yet gotten off uh, himself on the board. He's not yet uh, done his 2022 coming out party. Albert Ruznak finally gets on the board. Albert Ruznak himself hasn't really shown us what he can do. This is a very, very scary Seattle side. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like, it was 3-1, but it very easily could have been 7. And beyond that, what I would point out, it was a, a beautiful 3-1. It was a classy 3-1. It was an elegant 3-1. 
Not something we always see from MLS teams and definitely not something we always see from MLS teams in CONCACAF Champions League. What I would suggest, and maybe, Herc, I'm overreacting here, no, is that if, is. Seattle, if Seattle plays like that, they're definitely your favorites to win MLS Cup. And I think they're even your favorites in this competition because I know we'll talk about Pumas and we'll talk about Cruz Azul later, but we have not, those teams are not playing like we saw this Sounders team play against New York City FC. The counter to that, the asterisk, what I'll ask you is, give me your analyst perspective here, was Seattle really that great or was New York City FC that bad? Because now this is where New York City is, right? One win in five in MLS competitions. They yeah. scraped, I mean scraped past Comunicaciones in the quarterfinals. It feels a little bit, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, like Toronto 2018. Maybe. Maybe it's a bit of campionitis. I don't think they're as bad as their record indicates in Major League Soccer. They got four points. They've only won one game. They've only scored five goals for. This is a team that, uh, for all intents and purposes, I mean, whatever they maybe give up or have given up this year defensively, this is a team that has the ability, just off of talent alone, to really put it on you, to really uh, hurt you with their playmakers, uh, especially in the final third. They've not been running on cylinders. They, they've actually been choking away games, which is, which is very worrisome. Uh, you've got a player like Tati Castellanos. You need to get him going. You need to get him on the board. It's a very heads-up play. He had a Thiago right there in between two defenders to play it back. But for Anidalia, it didn't really look like a New York City FC team. Uh, that is the champion in, in Major League Soccer. It didn't look mm -hmm. like that playoff team. It looked like a team still trying to find its footing in Major League Soccer. And if you look at the other side, I don't care what Seattle Sounders, the record indicates in Major League Soccer play, and MLS play. That, that goes out the window. The focus right now is CONCACAF Champions League. That's where their focus is. They are running on all cylinders, especially at home. So, Ronnie Dahlia, you know that Seattle's going to play that way at home. You almost fell into that trap. Real quick, is it over? Or are you giving New York City a chance in the second leg? I think it's over. New York can score. Obviously, they're a very good team. They're going to be playing in Harrison, New Jersey at Red Bull Arena. They can't play uh, in Yankee Stadium. The field's going to be a little bigger, so it's still going to be that track meet-esque type of football for the Sounders. Now, they have to go chase the game. They have to go look for a goal. Not just one goal, multiple goals. But while doing so, are you going to tell me that the Seattle Sounders aren't going to score themselves? And if they do score, that's an away goal. I, I think this one's over because I could see New York City scoring multiple goals. Yes, absolutely. I can't see New York City defending the zero. So Seattle-New York City was our all-MLS CONCACAF Champions League semifinal. We also had an all-Liga MX CONCACAF Champions League semifinal. That got underway Tuesday between Pumas and Cruz Azul at the Estadio Olimpico, of course, uh, home of Pumas. Tata Martino, by the way, in attendance. 37th minute, Pumas get on the board. Kind of crazy goal. Juan Dineno, the ultimate striker's finish. <laughs> oh, watch it as he got the Dominguez, hit it off of him. And then all the, look at this. Oh, no, he slips. But Pablo Aguilar slips right here. I don't know what happened. His leg gave out, and Dineno just second Alan Mosso oh. with his fourth assist to the CONCACAF Champions League again with Tata Martino watching Juan Dineno uh, lighten it up as well Cruz Azul though her get a huge goal back in the 83rd Cristian Tabo yeah Tabo who's not really been seen all year finally gets on the scoreboard this means a lot to him and this opens the door for Cruz Azul Seb Absolutely. You know, those, uh, those goals late in the first leg always seem to weigh just that little bit heavier. Second leg coming April 12th in Mexico City, of course, at the Estadio Azteca. Now, Herc, you've said all along that Cruz Azul are your favorites in this tournament. They're down 2-1 heading into the second leg of the semifinals. You still feeling that way? 
Yeah, I'm still feeling that way. Uh, Pumas actually had a few more chances. Cruz Azul had, had some chances as well. There was overall some very good play. Circumstantial, they gave up that late goal. I think that can hurt them. This is still very much a, a classico for the two, so it's very divided. But the difference here is uh, the team. The difference here is Pumas is a, is a team that for Andres Lilini, he constantly has them punching above their weight class. They don't have the roster set. They're a very depleted bunch right now. They don't have the roster to go with this game and then play tomorrow, by the way. They're going to play Kirk, against Sorry, Quilla. sorry. I don't want to cut you off you too did. much today's show. But let but me just did. ask you, we say this all the time about Pumas and they always still end up advancing. Hold on. Oh, it's still up advancing? No, no, no. I've not seen them win anything. So don't say they still up advancing. They're going to go against the, the, against the tournament famous Trinidad Cruz Azul. They play tomorrow against Puebla. They don't play over the weekend. They play immediately tomorrow versus Puebla and then on Tuesday against Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul said, we're all in on this tournament. This is as far as it's going to take them. That little quarter they put into the ride, this is where it will end. And if it doesn't, they're going to be very depleted for what's next. I mean, I love the mantra with Pumas because, you know, we've seen them go through injuries, you know, go through COVID. We've seen the, the, the players with the three digits on their back step up and play very well for Andres Lilini. But how much longer can that continue? And, and, and when all these things happen on the field, when circumstances like these arise, usually it's talent that gets you through. Cruz Azul is just a more talented team. Uh, they, they have the roster to play two tournaments. They have the roster to win this series. It's still... A Clásico. And I agree with you. Pumas has shown us that they keep punching above their weight class. But if you're a betting man, Sebi, if mm -hmm, you're going mm -hmm. to bet in this matchup, you would most likely bet Cruz Azul advances. I wonder how much of your rationale there comes down to the stadium, right? Like it being a home game for Cruz Azul. We always talk about Azteca not really weighing so much for the Mexican national team. Maybe you think it weighs more for Cruz Azul uh, in a game like this. My question for you would be, like, you talk about the talent for Cruz Azul, but where are the goals going to come from, right? Because they're going to need them here. Is, is it going to be yeah. Uriel Antuna? Is it going to be Santi Jimenez? Um, I'm trying to think who's... Who's their top scorer? I think it's I think it's Escobar, the defender. I think Escobar, he's got like the four defenders goals. Are, Juan Escobar. Yeah, he's he's the leading goals. scorer for Cruz Azul. Yeah, so, then it's Uriel Antuna, and then it's Santi Jimenez, uh, Ivan Morales, who came on, the, the Chilean who came on, who had the assist for Tabo. He's been we've been seeing some flashes from him, but they're still just a more talented team. Seven. Okay, okay, but you know, but I know the answer to that question when I talk about Pumas. When I say where are the Pumas gonna, goals going to come from, I know 100% it's going to be Juan Dineno, right? This he's tournament. Got, He's got and, and seven now. in CONCACAF Champions League right now. He's lighting up this tournament. He, he looks like a totally different player. And I tell you what, he cannot be long for Pumas. If all the financial restrictions you talk about with Pumas are true, either somebody else in Mexico is going to come for him or, mark my words, someone in Major League Soccer will come for Juan Dineno. That guy is doing way too much, Herc, way too much to be ignored. Let me give you the names really quick. Charlie, Charlie este, Gonzalez goes to Tigres. Uh, Vigón goes to Tigres. Every, every player they've had, uh, Lira goes to Cruz Azul, they sell. They can't afford to keep him. Okay, so that's the CONCACAF Champions League. Let's, let's talk about that other Champions League, Herc, the one that, that goes across, across the pond over there, the UEFA Champions League. Uh, Real Madrid and Chelsea in the quarterfinals. First leg Wednesday at Stamford Bridge, in case you live under a rock. Real Madrid won the game 3-1. Hat-trick from Karim Benzema, Kai Havertz with the Chelsea goal. Christian Pulisic got the start, played 64 minutes as well. Herc, I wonder what you made of his performance. I should note L'Equipe, the French paper, gave him a... Two out of ten and called him one of the flops of the game alongside Thiago Silva. Lakeep said that? Why didn't you say so? Lakeep said it. All right. Well, then it's gold. It, may, it must be true. They said it. Mm -hmm. uh, it Home wasn't of a Ballon d'Or. 
It, you know what? Let, let's go to Lakeep. Is real it? Quick. Can, can it? Our good friends at The Athletic did a favor for me. They translated the little caption that Lakeep had with uh-huh. their little score. They gave mm-hmm. him a two, right? This is what they said. The caption explaining the rating. Thank you to my good friends at The Athletic. Mm-hmm. We do not know where he was, and not many people saw him. It's true that he was not helped on the left wing by a low attacking contribution from a right-footed Aspilicueta. With Marcos Alonso, he would have had more support, more spaces, ghostly, and substituted at halftime, he, which was quite merited, they said. My mm-hmm. man played to the 64th minute. What game were they watching? <laughs> substituted at halftime. So take your keep somewhere else, okay? These ratings are so stupid. I'm tired of these. I'm tired oh, of these soccer nerds with their ratings. About a rating. They didn't Pro even know that he was still on the field. They're trying hey, to tell you. I'm Hercules Gomez. Are you serious? Are you serious, Sam? Lakeep gave him a two. They literally said he was so. Oh, out so why half. don't you tell me about how Pulisic played then? If you don't like Lakeep, you got a he problem with the French. He played as bad as everybody else. But I'm sorry. Mendy had a higher score than him? Mendy gave up the ball that was the pivotal play in the game literally to the opposition, literally Kareem Benzema. Kareem Benzema, who's an amazing player, hat trick. It's, it's something that he will never forget, that they should never forget. This was, before this game, an undefeated Chelsea playing at home in, con- in, in, yes. in what it is, the U- uh, UEFA Champions League, okay? They had given up one goal at home in all Champions League. They gave up three to probably the best player, the most informed player in the world right now in Kareem Benzema. Everybody played bad. Kovacic wasn't there. Uh, it, it, was, it was notable for Tuchel's team. Lukaku can't get on the field. The only one to me that looked somewhat normal was Kai Havertz. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, if we're going to pin this on Christian Pulisic, who's become a martyr for this type of thing. It's like, if you're an American fan, or if you're a fan south of the border, or if you're a Canadian fan, you wait to see what happens with Christian Pulisic. You wait to see what happens on the Tuesday. Or you wait to see what happens on the Wednesday, because maybe your players are playing on the Thursday. And you comment about Christian Pulisic. That's how polemic it has become. But don't come with the keep. It's the most stupid thing, these ratings, and the most stupid thing, these magazines, these newspapers. Take it to somewhere else. Look at this guy. Now now a member, a card-carrying member of the press, and he still can't help himself. He still hates the media. One thing I'll note, um, at least we're not we're not talking, Herc, about whether he's starting or not, right? Now with Chelsea, it's like he's always in the eleven. There's definitely signs of progress with Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. To that end, Herc, one of the many topics around Christian Pulisic right now is his potential future at Chelsea. It's such a big topic that it came up in the press conference ahead of the game against Real Madrid. Here's what he had to say. Of course, I still have years left on my contract. I'm feeling good. I'm happy here. Um, obviously, we've we've been successful. We've done some great things uh, as a team. Um, you know, while I've been here, and uh, currently, I'm enjoying my my football, and I'm just gonna finish the season out strong. And uh, yeah, that's not something exactly I'm worried about right now. But I'm uh, feeling good right now. All right, her Christian Pulisic. Is it something, nothing, or everything? His comments as far as a potential move this summer away from Chelsea. It's nothing. What, what do people expect Christian Pulisic to say? Yeah, I know things are going tough here, so I got to start looking elsewhere. He's not going to tell you that. It's not going to happen. Listen, Christian Pulisic's not the only player that doesn't know what's going to happen to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Chelsea players don't know what's going to happen to Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel doesn't know what's going to happen to Chelsea. Nobody knows right now what's going to happen. Whoever comes in will make their decision. But right now, Christian Pulisic is a number 10 for Chelsea. Christian Pulisic has to be a very important player for Chelsea. Whether he plays well on certain days or not is not the issue. Right now, nobody knows what is going to happen with Chelsea and Christian Pulisic. What's he going to say? 
Yeah. Some of this is, to your general point, more about the situation at Chelsea, right? I feel like any player in this press conference is getting asked this question. What do you think about your future um, at Chelsea? But beyond that, some of this is specific to Pulisic, right? Because there have been links. We talked about it before on this show. Juventus potentially being interested. Um, And we've also known there was some frustration from Pulisic during his time at Chelsea. Now, that was two or three months ago. Things have changed a lot in the last two or three months. But there's also something to be said that if they could change that quickly, maybe they could change back. Maybe he would fall back out of favor and and have less playing time. My thought here is, Herc, if he is going to get sold, it kind of probably does have to be this summer, right? Because his contract is till 2024. And if we're going to put an extension off to the side, at least for a second, if you wait until next summer near Chelsea, you're basically putting it in Christian Pulisic's hands, right? You're like, hey, if you want to be a free agent, and A, what that really means to the players, get paid way more. Uh, then all you got to do is wait a year. You also tell that to the other clubs that might be interested. Hey, we don't have to pay 50 or 100 million for him now in 23 when we could just wait until 24 when he's out of contract. If Chelsea really want to make some money off him, it kind of has to be this summer, right, Herc? Yeah, especially this Chelsea. The old Chelsea, the way they were operating, when they let De Bruyne go, they let players like Mo Salah go, they let Lukaku go, uh, they would have just let him go. This Chelsea uh, that might need those funds, that's understanding how the uh, transfer market is looking in this pandemic and how it's looking uh, pre-World Cup and how that, how enticing that market for Christian Pulisic himself, who's arguably the biggest name um, in North American football, uh, alongside Alfonso Davies. It does seem like a very enticing play for a lot of teams. I just don't know. I mean, he, he was sold for $75 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, much, how much more can you possibly get for him? What would be the price? Who would be willing to step up? Yeah, who knows? We're talking about major, major bucks there for sure. All right, we got one more thing here, Herc, on Christian Pulisic. But for this, we're going to have to dip into the vault. The Football Americas VAR production. Roll tape. Uh-oh. All right, so it's going to be tough to beat that. Let's see who did it. Oh, yeah, it's this guy, Christian Pulisic. Final touch of his hat trick with the Megs against Panama. Yeah, I don't know if the first touch is isn't accidental. I don't know if he means it, but the second touch definitely does the Meg. It's very Bergkamp-like and Mm. the little Meg, just dirty finish. Uh... Hercules Gomez, they're questioning Christian Pulisic's intent and Captain America responding on Instagram. Find it so funny the people saying, didn't mean that first touch. Literally exactly what I meant to do. Glad they can read minds though. Hercules Gomez, your response. What is this guy? guy Captain Instagram? He wants to control. <laughs> like, what, what, what? I can't put this picture. I can't comment this. I said, I didn't know if he meant it. If he meant it, good for him. It didn't look like it. Mm. Uh, do you doubt him? Do you doubt that he meant it? Uh, a little. A little. Really? It's still a goal at the end of the day, but just the way that he received it in between his yep. legs with his back to goal, it, it looked like he was reacting to a, uh, to a touch instead of meaning to touch it that way. Yes, uh, very good. Herc, your anti-Polistic ways continue here on uh, ESPN. I should note, Herc also has a show in Spanish, Ahora Nunca. And in that program, he gave Christian Polistic a C, a C for the qualifying campaign. So the anti-Polistic rhetoric here on Football Americas continues from one Hercules Gomez. Uh, Yeah, he scored five goals. Dude, he led the team in scoring. He had a game winner against Mexico. What more do you want? Fighting through injuries. Unbelievable. Christian Pulisic started his career at Dortmund in the Bundesliga. Herc used to like him back then. Speaking of the Bundesliga, 
We got Augsburg visiting Bayern on Saturday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Ricardo Pepe looking for his first goal in some six months. Club or country. Meanwhile, Alfonso Davies is back for Bayern Munich. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Joining us now on Football Americas, Kellen Acosta of LAFC and the U.S. Men's National Team. Kellen, great to have you with us on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is the perfect time, I think, to have you come on the show because you're in that transition, right? Going from your work with the national team, now coming back to your club. And you really dove right in last week. I think you played 15 minutes in the 4-2 win over Orlando. You guys are rolling right now, unbeaten in MLS play. The narratives kind of tell us, hey, it's a new team, a lot of new pieces, a new coach. You guys should struggle at first. Why hasn't that been the case for LAFC? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a credit to the coaching staff and, you know, my teammates have done a great job using our training sessions to, to develop relationships to, to help better ourselves. And in the game, we've just been executing. I think that's a, the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, you can put forth whatever on the board and whatever in video, but going out there and, you know, getting the job done is another story. So credit to, to everyone. And then, obviously, our fan base has been tremendous. Whether uh, I feel like we got... 34 home games <laughs> rather than some away games. So it's been it's been great for all of us. You got the Trafico coming up uh, this week, LAFC against the LA Galaxy. It's your first. Uh, what are you hearing about this game from inside the locker room? Yeah, the LA Derby is going to have a little bit of everything. I mean, for me, just my standpoint, I, you know, was just watching it on TV, but to actually experience it, it's going to be a different ball game. Um, you know, just a lot of excitement, uh, especially playing in Carson. We want to get our first win in Carson. So that's definitely huge. I know that's a lot of chatter about that. Um, and, you know, we just want to keep keep rolling on. Uh, we're undefeated right now. Obviously, we want to extend that. I mean, Galaxy is it's going to be, a, uh, you know, definitely a tough game. Um, you know, you got a, a guy in Chicharito who scored, what, four or five goals in, in, in his last game. So he, he's a guy that's probably going to get, be keen to get on the score sheet. So got to minimize his touches and minimize uh, – and what he's doing there and for us is to you know be more sound defensively and, and i feel like we can just patch up with some little things so i think we we should and hopefully would get the positive result i heard you call it the la derby uh, my co-host john football america's hercules gomez hates el trafico he always hates on the name what do the players actually call it? what do you guys call it in the dressing room la derby so we call it really or just game versus galaxy i mean i don't know if we just say la derby like that but um for the most part if we were speaking you know professionally speaking or in an interview or whatever it's la derby all right but not el trafico okay good to know so let's talk about how you got to lafc uh you get traded from the colorado rapids i remember you tweeting at the time that colorado pushed you out how did that all go down 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, a business standpoint, obviously. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed my time at Colorado. And, uh, you know, it, it, the things in sports, the things happen quickly. And, um, you know, I got traded here to LAFC, and I've been enjoying every moment of it. And it's definitely been great. The transition's been great. The coaching staff, the front office, my teammates, the fan base, the whole community has been super welcoming. And, uh, no, it's been, it's been great, and I've been definitely enjoying it. At the time, there were some reports. I think even you tweeted about it yourself of potential European interest. We always ask guys, you know, is is that something you want to do? Do you want to make that jump? Is that something that you see in your future? Yeah, it's like I've, I've always been vocal about it. It's always been a dream of mine. I mean, for me, I've since a kid, I always had like a checklist of things I want to accomplish and, you know, to have the opportunity to do so. One is to play in Europe and another is to, is to be and play in a World Cup. So... Hopefully, I, by November, I can play in a World Cup, make the squad and, and all of that. And, and then, obviously, playing in Europe has always been a dream of mine. So um, maybe in the future, I can achieve that as well. Kellen, you've been at this level for like a long time, at the senior national team level, when you debuted for FC Dallas. You've been in the youth national team you know, list for a really, really long time. Why do you think you haven't made that jump to Europe yet? Can you put your finger on it? Yeah, I mean, just a little details about just consistency and consistency in my play. I think there's games where I've played well, but I think I think I need to just contribute more on, you know, on both ends of the ball. And I feel like if I can achieve that, I mean, I can hopefully accomplish my dream is to play in Europe. You said your other dream was to play in a World Cup. You guys just got qualified. The draw happens. What's your reaction to the draw? You see that group. What do you think? No, I'm just so excited. I mean, whoever we were going to face, I'm just like, I just can't wait. It doesn't matter. But now now that we know at least two of the teams, I mean, uh, it's just one of those things, a childhood dream to to, to 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 watch the draw, to actually like feel the emotion, to know that, you know, I may have the opportunity to play against these teams at the at three teams at the at the world stages. It's just, I mean, it's everything. I mean, it's kind of indescribable, but, um, you know, can't wait. It's going to be a long six months, but uh, I'm excited. How do you feel about your chances of getting out of the group? Yeah, I mean, that's that's ultimately you got to take it game by game. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we, we think we can um, as a group, and uh, but it's, each game is going to be a challenge. And take game by game, but that's our, our first objective is to get out of group, and we go from there. What about the headliner in the group? It's England, right? The team out of pot one. That's a matchup everybody's talking about. I don't know if you've looked at the calendar yet. It is going to be on November 25th, so the day after Thanksgiving. Everybody's going to have eyeballs on it. What do you think of that matchup in England specifically? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a lot of chatter about it. I mean, we've, you know, have, uh, we played some games in the past, so everyone's definitely keen on it. And obviously the history uh, with USA and, and England. So, I mean, it's just outside chatter for now, but for us, it's the task at hand is, you know, take a game by game. And first game is, I think, Iran first game. And then uh, England second game, and uh, it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, England has, you know, some some great players, and uh, we've got to be up for the task. And um, I think it will be positive if we can, you know, do everything that we're doing to, to get to this point. So it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great game. You often set goals before a tournament or before a season. As you look ahead to the World Cup, like what would you say constitutes a good World Cup for the U.S. in 2022? Good World Cup. I mean, I mean, whatever tournament that you're involved in, even if it's uh, you know the World Cup, you, you aim to win it. But it's just the little steps to get there, which is game by game. But like I said before, first and foremost is to get out of group, and then whoever play out of group, you want to beat them, and then beat them, and beat them. 
Um, so I can't really say what's a good World Cup, but we want to we wanna win. We can't really fast forward past qualifying, even though we've kind of done that in this interview to get to the World Cup and the draw and all that part. You had a huge, huge part in, in getting this team over the line, Kellen. I wonder, you know, how much being a part of the group ahead of 2018 and specifically the game in Cuba kind of factored into your experience throughout this qualifying cycle. Yeah, I mean, in a way it did. I mean, it's, it's kind of that dark cloud you want to put behind you, but it's just one of those things when you when you have that, you know, that huge disappointment, you don't want to feel like that again. And so you kind of just have to stress to, to everyone that we can't put, put ourselves in a position to feel like that again. And I mean, credit to the group. I mean, it was a long seven months. It was tough. Qualifying is not easy, but, um, you know, we faced a lot of adversity, a lot of challenges, and we, we embraced what, what came our way and we, we overcame it. And so we, we ultimately, we, we reached our goal. I mean, uh, and um, I mean, we're, we're proud of it. We're, we're happy to be back to where we belong. Uh, so a credit to, to all my teammates, the staff, and, and a credit to the fan base and everyone that stuck around and, and stuck with us through, through these challenging seven months and obviously the long five years. Do you feel some personal sense of redemption over it? In a way, I mean, more so when I get asked about it, I just, I feel relieved. I think relieved, relieved and excited. Uh, like I said, it was a long seven months, even longer five years of just waiting for this moment to, to kind of redeem ourselves. So redemption, I guess, is, is, is in play, I would say. Um, but um, there was more relief than anything. I'm sure you guys felt under some pressure throughout the qualifying process. Your manager was under a lot of pressure as well. What's it like playing for Greg Berhalter? No, it's been great. No, I mean, Greg's a great coach. He's super detail-oriented, and um, he, he, he asks a lot of his players, but uh, he, he lets us play our game. I mean, I think I've learned a lot from him. I've been absorbing a lot of information, and to just have his trust and to play um, in all the games I did was huge for me, and it's a proud moment, and um, very grateful for each opportunity he's put me out there. I wonder, Kellen, if you guys as a group like heard the criticisms about you and about the manager. I mean, Herc on this show called you guys soft at one point throughout the qualifying process. Did that ever make its way into the locker room? And what do you say to your critics now that you booked your ticket? No, I mean, I don't, I don't read stuff on the internet. I mean, that's the life of a footballer. I mean, you can't please everyone. I mean, as long as you please a manager and, you know, you get the results, that's all that matters. I mean, everyone is not going to talk about the games at hand, but it's more of, you know, that we got there. And so, I mean, for, for us, uh, you know, in our group and in our circle, uh, you know, we, we know that each each game is going to be challenging, but sometimes it may not be pretty, but at the end of the day, we, we accomplish what we set forth to do, and that's all that matters. Your minutes with the national team continue to grow, especially if we look at, like, the last three games, right, the vital qualifying window. How would you describe your role with this team? Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I've played a lot of games, and so I got trust from 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 Greg and the coaching staff to to go out there and help the team. And no, it doesn't been great. I mean, for me, I'm a team player, and whatever I can do to contribute is has always been my goal. And for me, I mean, I played in multiple positions, you know, as an eight, six, outside back. It doesn't matter. I want to be on the field, and you know, whether I'm I'm on it or off it. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I'm just here to contribute, whether it's to to encourage guys, help guys along. Um, but uh, no, it's definitely been great. 
one of the games in which you contributed quite a bit. You got the start. You went the full 90 minutes against Mexico at the Azteca. There's so much hype around that rivalry. And this may have been like the last game in terms of World Cup qualifying between the two nations for a while, if not ever. What was it like to be part of that? Yeah, no, it was awesome and great. I played back in uh, the last set of qualifiers in Azteca. So it's one of those things where I, I grew up watching it on TV. So to actually experience it was, was so exciting. I mean, you see, you know, playing against our rival, you see a little bit of everything from the chippiness to, you know, the, the fan base going crazy. There's things being thrown, um, you know, like we saw in the Nations League previously with, you know, VAR to goals galore. I mean, had a little bit of everything, but just playing that second, a historic place was was huge. And uh, for us as a standpoint, I think we we wanted more out of the game. I felt like we, we, we could have, you know, squeezed out a win. But nonetheless, I mean, Mexico was a great team. It was a tough matchup for us, but um, it's always exciting to play against a rival and in the big games. And, and um, I think we've the past couple of weeks we've got some positive results, and so we got to continue on 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 that journey for us and and whatever big games that we're in to embrace whatever challenge is set forth and uh, hopefully adapt and, and to conquer what's in front of us. Yeah, you got a valuable point down in Azteca, but before that, it was three straight wins against Mexico. You feel like you've kind of overtaken them in terms of the rivalry. I mean, I don't know if overtaking is the word, but I mean, each game brings different challenges. I mean, whether it, you know, ends in Azteca, whether it's going to be in the summer or next year, I mean, each game is, is a different final. And so, I mean, obviously we've had some tough matchups in the past. Right now we've, we've had some positive ones, but each game is, is an opportunity to showcase what we're doing. And I think, I mean, next game is going to be even more challenging. Um, but uh, I think we've we've it's been positive for for now. But we always want to achieve more. You're one of the few guys that's been around from kind of this change in the rivalry, right? Before when Mexico kind of had your number, you were you were still a part of the team, and now that's changed. What has changed in the rivalry that that's kind of seen the momentum go from one side to another? Yeah, I mean, I think just a lot of guys are playing with a lot of confidence and no fear. We're going out there, and you know set aside in a goal and basically saying we, we want to win this game and just embracing, you know, whatever is to come. Sometimes the game causes for you to weather the storm the first 15 minutes and, you know, ease into it and build into the game. And I think we've done just that. I think there's times where we start slow, but we're able to kind of bounce back. And there's times where we, you know, came off right away. And uh, I think it's just a credit to the group to being able to adapt to, you know, what's ahead of us. and and figuring out a way to, to get the result. All right, Callan, from one rivalry to another, uh, good luck this weekend. And not El Trafico, the LA Derby. Thank you very much for your time here on Football Americas. Thank you. All right, Herc, what'd you make of uh, Kellen Acosta and his El Trafico hating ways, dude, just like you? No, 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 I didn't say it. Well, I don't like the name El Trafico. <laughs> it's better than El Chanclasico, that, that's for sure. Nah. I like that he's already settling into the role. He's already settling to this is who we are. I'm part of this. He threw out Carson a few times. Mm-hmm. That's a straight dig right there. <laughs> I love the confidence of saying we want to win the World Cup. He's not saying they're going to win. He's saying mm-hmm. we have the mentality. We want to win. You should always want to win. I love that. It goes with this new mindset. Maybe it's naive. Maybe it's ignorance. But I love uh, these kids and, and how they think. I'm with kids, man. Is Kellen Acosta still really a kid? I mean, we, he's kind of like. 
26, yes. I think he's, he's graduated yeah. from kid. Somewhere between kid and veteran. Maybe not quite, uh, quite I mean, veteran. He's been around forever. People don't realize, like, today, there's the Ricardo Pepe's. There's all these young kids that are coming through. Like Brandon Vasquez. All these kids that are... Like, he used to be that guy. He was mm-hmm. the next big thing to go. He was going to explode. He's going to be in Europe. And then he just ended up going to Colorado. Ended yeah. up not coming to L.A., but he's still a very good player. Yeah, and look, as you heard in that interview right there, he still holds ambitions of going to Europe. Maybe the uh, World Cup could be the platform for that. Of course, way before all that happens, we got the L.A. Derby. Not El Tráfico. i got to get that out of my mind. We got the L.A. Derby coming up on Saturday, so let's do a quick uh, Clásico Angelino edition. We'll call it that to keep everybody happy of Book It. Uh, game is at the Dignity Health Sports Park on Saturday night, Herc. Uh, LA Galaxy hosting LAFC. Well, I have been ice cold in our Book It segments of late, so why don't you start the folks off with what you think will happen in the match itself. What's your match pick? My match pick? Are we going match picks, producer, or do you want me to go prop? Match pick. I, I think it's going to be the Galaxy. I think it's going to be the Galaxy. Ooh. You're going to win this one. It- it's very simple. Why do I pick the money line for the Galaxy? Which is alumni plus- bias. Yeah, that's no, why. No, no. <laughs> plus one fifty-five. It's because the Galaxy are undefeated versus LAFC at mm. Dignity Health Sports Park. They love playing against them. How undefeated are they? Well. Four wins, two draws. They don't seem to lose against LAFC. They know what this game means to their fans, means to their history. There's a disdain for the LAFC fan, a disdain for what this team stands for by the Galaxy Mm. and their aficionados. And this is a game that you're going to hear about if they lose. So I'm taking the Galaxy just uh, based off history. I mean, how can you not right there? Okay, Galaxy plus 155. Uh, Even though that number looks kind of... Interesting. They are the favorites. They are very, very slight favorites over LAFC at home. LAFC going in at plus 165 to win. And Herc, that is who I'm taking. Mm. Uh, ju- and not just to be different from you, right? Because we are not, we are not prisoners of history here on Football America. No, we are the what moment. are we? You're We're pres- prisoners <laughs> of the moment. And right now, the moment for LAFC, I can't ignore it, right? Uh, they've won three in a row. They have let, yet to lose uh, in Major League Soccer right. play. They're flying. They got 13 goals for. I think only Austin has as many goals as that across all of Major League Soccer. So right now, I think LAFC is primed to beat this LA Galaxy team. I like the value there at plus 165. And I'm not going to be like you and live in the past and live in no, the days of Zlatan. Can I tell you why? Because how many times in the past has the L- has LAFC been the team that's coming in hot? Has the Galaxy been the team that's not? Mm-hmm. How many times has that happened and the Galaxy shows us it doesn't matter. This is a classical. We're going to bring them back down to earth. So that's why I went with that. It's a bit of history, but also your recency bias as well. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Let's move on. You are known, as we have mentioned many times on this show, as el principe of the prop bet. The prop bet prince, okay? So uh, what have you found from the prop bet section for this game? All right. Anytime goal by Carlos Vela. Yes, Carlos Vela. Anytime goal is going to give you plus 140. You pick the Galaxy, but you're also picking Carlos Vela? Yeah, yeah. He's going to score a goal. I I pick winners is what I do. Sit back and and relax for a second. Carlos Vela... For all intensive purposes, lost playing against the LA Galaxy. My man has 10 goals against the LA Galaxy. That's four more goals than any other opponent. The most hated rival, he loves to show up. And guess who's shown up this season? Carlos mm-hmm. Vela. Guess who's playing for his contract this season? Carlos Vela. 10 goals versus the Galaxy. Guess who I'm taking? Carlos Vela at plus 140. So Carlos Vela anytime goal score is plus 140. 
Chicharito anytime goal score is also plus 140. But you know me. You know me. I'm, I'm go big or go home. Now, I may go home with nothing in my pocket, but I'm going big. So I'm going Chicharito, but to score first because the payout there is a little mm. bit fatter, okay? It's plus 400 if Chicharito scores first. Now, uh, you picked the LA Galaxy, yet you are going to bet on Carlos Vela to score. I picked LAFC, yet I'm going to bet on Chicharito, and I'm betting on him to score first. Here's why I'm not so worried, and I think I might win both of those bets because if we've learned anything in the history of this rivalry, it's that there are twists and turns. The team that scores first, that means nothing. So I could see Chicharito easily getting an early goal and LAFC winning 3 or 4-1. Yep. I, I, could see, I could see either team winning uh, by multiple goals. I think there will be a lot of goals here. The LA Galaxy without Marky Delgado, he picks up that red card. Mm. Very important to the balance he offers. It's going to be a one-lane highway in the center of that field if they don't figure that out. But I definitely see an entertaining game here. So Chicharito with four goals through five games so far this season. Carlos Vela with four goals through five games so far this season. It got me thinking. Mm, that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And it took me a while. But after I was done thinking, this is what I came up with. Actually, we stole it from the Ahora Nunca rundown. I won't lie. Who would you <laughs> rather have on El Tri? Chicharito or Carlos Vela? Right now or today? So let's assume both are available. Let's yes, assume yeah, Chicharito wasn't that. blacklisted. Wasn't, yes. yes. Let's assume that Carlos Vela... Would unretire. Wanted to. Wanted, wanted to. to. Yes. Exactly. Had the desire to. That's a big assumption. That's, that's a big assumption. It's got to be Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela is still the most talented player in the pool of players <laughs> of Mexican players. Subjective. No, it's not subjective. Many, many with much bigger resumes than I have stated this. I don't think it's a subjective opinion that he's the most talented player in that mm-hmm. pool. Now. Talent can only take you so far. That desire is a big part of that. But he immediately walks in, and he can immediately start. I don't know if Javier Hernandez is a starter if he's available. I don't think he starts Why? over Raul Because Jimenez. there's so many Mexican number nines that are scoring right now. No, you don't no, know that they no, can find a spot for him? Because the one number nine who starts happens to play in the Premier League, and he's very good at creating. He's very good he's in the actual scoring. system. He's that not Martino, what? Hold on a second. Hold on well, a second. Also, Mexico's playing great attacking soccer with Raul Jimenez. Please, dude. Please. Oh, 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 before you please, dude, please me, and you're talking about goals. Chicharito's got four goals. Uh, Raul Jimenez has got four goals in the Premier League. One's in the Major Soccer, one's in the Premier League. Okay. <laughs> one season started a year what are you talking about semantics like, i don't want to hear this okay don't come in don't come in with your with your alternate stats here here's the one stat you need here's the one and only stat you need the way that mexico plays is not mm-hmm. for the nine to shine under tata martino and the best one at that is raul jimenez okay mm. i don't know if javier hernandez walks onto this field and he's a starter for tata martino even if Everything that's hanging over him isn't there. I do feel that Carlos Vela walks onto this team and starts. I mean, we've seen Charlie Rodriguez play in an advanced role for Tata Martino, and it has not been pretty. Carlos Vela can easily walk in there and play for him. Carlos Vela can easily walk in there and play for Tecatito Mm. Corona uh, on one of the flanks on the right if you need to because he is that good and because the the guys who I just mentioned have not been great. And this is a reality. I know you wanted to assume commitment from Carlos Vela. I'll allow it for your arguments, but I I do think it's a valid point, right? Like, one of these guys desperately seems to want to play for the national team. One of these guys doesn't seem to want to play for the national team. So I think for me, uh, the choice then to lead in towards Chicharito, well, I'll get to why later, is obvious. The thing with Vela is, look, 
And I'll just use his own words. I've done it before on this show. Nothing ever happened with Carlos Vela that didn't happen before, right? Mexico didn't reach some great level. He's had his chance. He's 33 years old, Herc. He's had every chance he could. And listen, I and listen. In the 2018 World Cup, right, when he was, what, five or six months removed from the elite, elite level, he didn't dominate. So now he's five years removed from that elite level, and you want to bring him back. No Mexican, what this Mexican player national has ever team needs right now is a nine Stop. who can score. Stop. Is a nine Stop. who can score. Stop. They do not have that. They don't need another playmaker who just misses shots and just misses through balls. We got enough of those. Seb, no player, no Mexican player has ever dominated in a World Cup. And I hate this. I hate when they say nothing happened with said player. He so said it. it. Ma- Carlos Vela said you it. You said it. You said it right no, here. No. You said it Carlos right Vela's here. I don't own care words. You want me to read you a quote? But you're using it as an example, Seb. So if that's, if that's it, don't take Chicharito Hernandez. Don't take Raul Jimenez. Don't take any player who's ever played in, in a World Cup for Mexico because nothing happened. That's oh. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I hate wow. when people you say You want to compare Carlos Vela's World Cup work against Chicharito's? You really want to say nothing that's happened what, with Chicharito, who scored a goal in the last three World Cups? Do you listen Cups? to yourself talk? Híjole, get out of here. Get out of here. You said they didn't get to the quinto partido. Did Javier Hernandez get to the quinto partido? Bro, Javier Hernandez is way more for Mexico in the World Cup than anywhere else than Carlos Vela. Who is saying otherwise? You're telling me that Chicharito <laughs> didn't do anything in the no, World Cup while you're I'm screaming about what Carlos you, Vela did in 2018. If a player didn't help you get to the fifth game, then don't worry about him. Don't bring him. Well, who's helped you get to the fifth game? So don't bring anybody. I right. hate that. It's dumb. Don't bring anybody. That's a, that's a great idea. There's Hercules Gomez analysis from Mexico at the, at the World Cup. Guy. Don't bring anybody. That's what, that's what, what you get exclusively yes. here on Football Americas. So, all right, uh, we got plenty more uh, MLS coming your way on ABC this weekend. All right, up on a big network. Over the air, Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. It is a battle for Southeast bragging rights. Charlotte FC against Atlanta United. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, now let's turn our attention back to the World Cup and the draw as we head over to the big studio with Mauricio Pedrosa. All right, gentlemen, so March Madness just ended, but maybe we got time for one more bracket, a World Cup bracket, because at the World Cup, we know it's not just about getting there. Right. It's not just about surviving the group phase. It's about what you do in the knockout round. So let's take a look at what the uh, bracket would look like for both the United States and Mexico, because we know there's the quest for El Quinto Partido for Mexico, but the quarterfinal also kind of what the U.S. would like to get to as well. So we went through groups A, B, C, and D, the top half of the bracket where we find both Mexico and the U.S., and we plugged everything based off of the FIFA ranking, which we know is uh, imprecise, but it'll give us some idea. So why don't we take a look at 
how the draw would look if everything goes according to FIFA rankings, which mm. means for Mexico, you finish second in the group and you face off against the defending World Cup champions in the round of 16. And for the United <laughs> of course, States, of course, and right. for the United you're States, right. Right it. Uh, it means that you finish second in the group and you would get Netherlands, who are not the team out of pot one. We know the pot one right. team in group A is Qatar, Qatar but their FIFA ranking not with the Dutch is. I think right now Netherlands 10th in the FIFA ranking. So that would be your second round matchup. Let's start there, Herc. Your first reaction to a Netherlands matchup in the round of 16. Favorable. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to compare it to what is Mexico's matchup, yeah, you'd rather be in the United States uh, position against Netherlands, who's a very potent attack, but it's a team that's going to uh, have the ball. It's going to leave themselves open, especially in transition. And the United States uh, men's national team, they don't do so well with teams who sit in a low block. They actually do well with teams who are going to go at them and leave those spaces. So it's a favorable matchup if you had to choose. All right, so if we look at it there, then the U.S. would get Netherlands. If they were to win that match, they'd get the winner of Argentina-Denmark on this side of the bracket in the quarterfinals. Let's go to the other side of the bracket now where we find France against Mexico. Mal... Not looking too good over there, is it? Well, um, <laughs> venga, eight, venga. eight times a charm, right? Yeah, right. Eight times a charm. Since a 1994, yes. uh, it's been the dream for Mexican soccer to finally make it past that game. But if everything goes according to those uh, FIFA rankings, then obviously it will be very hard for Mexico to go past France. Mm. It has happened before. Yeah. Mexico beat France in the 2010 World Cup. That was completely a different team from France, from Mexico as well. But at the same time, once you reach the stages, mm. you gotta face whoever you need to face. So I'm okay facing friends. Yeah, I don't know about that. You're okay to face yeah, whoever I'm, you need yeah. to face. The Listen. thought of Kylian Mbappe running at me in open space, like that would go scare back me. to O2. Mm. Every single Mexico fan said, Yes! We're facing USA. We're not facing Portugal. And we all know how that story ended, right? Totally. Well, I could, go, I could go with that example, or I could go with pretty much every other example. Because when I see France, <laughs> I think Brazil in 2018. Yeah. I think Holland in 2014. I think Argentina in 2006, 2010. Where Mexico, como siempre, no? They played great. Yep. But against that level of competition, it wasn't quite enough. So, all right. That's if everything goes to plan, which it never does in a World Cup. But let's get really crazy. Let's go with this idea, Herc, that the United States wins their group. Now, that's mm. happened before in 2010 yep. in a group with England. But that's here right. is what the bracket would look like if the United States finishes first in their group and Mexico finishes second. You see what I'm getting at over there, right? Dude, a potential <laughs> quarterfinal matchup between USA and Mexico, the game that Football Américas was born for, Herc. It would be something if both teams got to the quarterfinal mm -hmm. and one did it by beating France and the other one did it by beating uh, the African uh, champion. That would be something in itself. But to get to the quarterfinal in a CONCACAF rivalry, this rivalry, and we've always heard one day Mexico will get their revenge. It only counts when Mexico does it in the World Cup. Well, this can be the potential matchup when Mexico gets their chance. It was 2002. 2002. One of the most famous dos aceros yes, yes. Okay, in South Korea, in Japan. What happened there? The U.S. goes on to play Germany. They were a handball away from making it to a semifinal, which is mind-blowing. But this would be something else for Mexico. The, the ill-fated Mexico that's always, always something happens to face off against their bitter rivals in the quarterfinal. Now, that doesn't look as far-fetched as mm. some might think. Ooh. I mean, to think that the U.S. men's national team can beat England, right? Because we all think of this England generation of well, players. They don't even need to beat England. Well, right? yeah, but but and, and they do look like a very strong side. They they are a very strong side. But this U.S. men's national team, to me, there's one thing that's going to play in their favor, and is 
they have really nothing to lose. Mm, it's yeah. a very young team. No one's really expecting big things. Uh, all plan is looking ahead to 2026. That's not the same case for Mexico because you still have a lot of experienced players in that in that starting yeah, 11. Guillermo Choa, Hector yeah. Herrera, Andres Guardado, Raul it, Jimenez. You had a win now. It, it's, it's very true what you're saying. It's more of a win now team. It's, yeah. it, Tata Martino's not building his team for the future. He's building his team to get in. He's get probably out. not going to be there. He's not going to be there for 2026, yeah. the most likely thing. So this is definitely all your chips are in this hand right now for Mexico. Uh, and if they could get past France, I mean, they could pass anybody. Right. I'm looking at that matchup for the United States, and I'm just thinking, if you'd have told any manager you're going to get a team out of pot three in your round of 16, you know, knockout phase, you might be worried. You might respect Senegal. You might respect Sadio Mane. You might know about their track record. But you would take that draw. You would take a pot three team in your knockout round game for sure if the United States. This is what happens if the U.S. finishes first. What happens if Mexico oh. finishes first in their group and the U.S. finishes second? Ah, so then we would have a potential quarterfinal matchup, but on the other side of the bracket. Now, uh, if we did get this quarterfinal matchup and Mexico did win, would it really avenge what happened in 2002? Would it more than event? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely more than event. This is a quarterfinal match. It's not a round of 16 match. This is for one ticket to the semifinals of the World Cup. Even just the fact that I'm saying that out loud feels crazy. I'm getting, I'm getting chills. I'm getting goosebumps. Feel that. Feel that, Eric. Um, but listen, now you have to go through Denmark, mm -hmm. right? And we all think, well, Denmark is not. They're not France. Germany, Brazil, Argentina. We all saw what Denmark was able to do in the past Euros. Yeah, yeah. We all know the emotional factor of Christian Eriksen going back team. and the way he has been playing. So that also doesn't look that crazy to me. The fact that Denmark can make it that far. Mexico being number one to win the group with Argentina. This Argentina... I mean, I wouldn't bet on that, to be honest. Let's read the room for a second. Right now, all the chatter is, this Mexico team, for as much as we struggled in World mm -hmm. Cup qualifying, just did more points in your golden generation. That happens to be what the room is saying today, okay? Uh, regardless of where the train station is or what station that U.S. men's national team is right now, obviously not at their peak of that golden generation, but to then all of a sudden beat the golden generation mm -hmm. in a World Cup, in a game that takes you, not only are you at that quinto partido, can yeah. take you beyond, it would more than, I mean, nullify anything the U.S. men's national team did in that 2002 uh, World Cup versus Mexico. Yeah, I wonder if it would change the momentum too in the rivalry, right? Because we have seen a shift. We don't have to go back to 2002 to find examples of things that Mexico needs revenge for in this rivalry, right? I mean, there's plenty of the, there's the three straight losses, there's, exactly. there's the breaking of the streak, there's the draw on Aztec, all that stuff. We, we talk about that in Mexico City, right? Because mm -hmm. you asked Eric and myself, uh, where is this rivalry trending towards? And we said, has to be towards the U.S. men's national team. They only have not had the results against Mexico. It feels like the overall process of the team is looking better, right? Greg, Greg Berhalter looks steady in his position. Even though I know you're not a big fan, I am Greg Berhalter's number one fan in the world. Oh, not that I'm not a big fan. <laughs> you know, I, I understand what you're saying, Mal. Just think about this for a second, though. You're talking about this World Cup. What does it do for 2026 if Mexico were yeah. to achieve that? Mm. I think it throws everything off balance. I think it throws a, a major kink in the armor. Does Tata stay? Does Tata stay? Does Tata Martino stay if that happens, right? Right, right. a conversation we are uh, not expecting to have, but <laughs> we, we may well. Of course, if you're Mexico, you love as much as respect you might have for Denmark. You love the Denmark matchup. You prefer that much more over France. So these are the brackets. Hopefully they don't get too far busted before it's all said and done in Qatar.
All right, Herc, what about Canada? I haven't talked about uh, their draw much in their first World Cup since 1986. They're in Group F with Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. Some are calling this the Group of Death. Herc, what percentage chances are you giving Canada to get out of it? You know what, Tep, if you were to pick anybody from pot one and say, realistically from pot one, who would I want to face? Uh, I may say Belgium. And people always say, wait a second, Belgium's got a very good generation. I agree, but they're a little long in the tooth. 29.3 mm-hmm. years of age, one of the oldest teams in the World Cup. They will give you the spaces because they will have the majority of the ball. They will push up high. They will try to play in your final trade. Uh, Roberto Martinez and, and company will have the lion's share of possession. So you but like the that, draw for Canada or not? They're getting out or well, what? I think that plays into, into Canada's favor. I think that plays, they can get a result. And then Croatia, if they mm. can do what they did against midf- uh, against Mexico's midfield, because it'll be about controlling that midfield and Modric and Kovacic and Perisic, they, they've got a good chance. I just don't know if they're getting out. It's too much quality around them. And then Morocco's a toss-up right there. I think it's the most important game, but I think this is a a, a learning experience for Canada, but I can't realistically sit here and say it's more than 50-50. Yeah, SPI giving them 42%, you see there. I I would probably go lower than that. I'm with you about Belgium, right? If there's anything about them, they're vulnerable defensively. We saw it in the Euros. We saw it a bit in their qualifying campaign. We saw it when they shipped three against France in the Nations League. So, with a team like Canada that has all that attacking firepower, you say, okay, they could do some damage against Belgium. Croatia, you know, sure, they're, they're four or five years older than the last time we saw them, but we know how good they are. Morocco, I don't know if it scares me as much. They haven't gotten out of the group phase since 86, and probably their best player or most talented person in their pool is Hakim Ziyech. Yep. He retired from the national team in February. So it, it could have been, I think it could have been worse for Canada. The one thing I would say is that loss against Panama on the last night of qualifying, that's the difference between pot four and pot three for Canada. And I think that's a huge, well, huge result that went against their way. Pick your poison, because if you're Tunisia's in that group right now, and it's France, mm-hmm. Denmark, and probably Peru, Peru, so pick your poison there. I think it's just as bad. Remember, I said uh, Canada potential quarterfinalists in this World Cup. I'm dialing that back. Not just because <laughs> yeah, of, of the draw, because of the bracket as well. Their cross, the, t- the, the group that they would play, would be Group E, which is the Spain and Germany group. So even if you get out of Group F, uh, very, very difficult to see Canada in the quarterfinals. May have gotten just a little bit ahead of myself there. Herc, let's Shocker. take a look at CONCACAF's best 11 from the qualifying cycle. We'll go through it. They went with the classic 3-4-3 lineup. Uh, Montes, Calvo, Zimmerman across the back. Pulisic, Alvarez, Eustachio of Canada, and Hector Herrera of Mexico in a four-man midfield. I see we went with two number nines up top. Up top. Jonathan David, Kyle Lahren, and then uh, Joel Campbell, of Costa Rica. I will note no Alfonso Davies here in this 11, Herc. Uh, anything stand out to you from the CONCACAF best 11 of qualifying? Everything. Hector Herrera there. Um, Estacio's a good you shout. You disagree with it? You, you disagree with it, Ache Ache there? Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, you're a Mexico fan. Did you think mm-hmm. he was one of your better players in qualifying? No, I okay. didn't. So I, I'm surprised to see him in there, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a few surprises in there. I, I'm not surprised how CONCACAF comes up with these things, but that's not what I would have gone with. But definitely some surprises for sure. Okay, speaking of, why don't we check out what you would have gone with. What changes would Hercules Gomez have made? CONCACAF went with two number nines. You wouldn't do something so ridiculous. Oh, yes, yes, you would. Canada plays with two number nines. So what are you talking about? Navas is there. By the way, ridiculous. 19 out of 21 points to finish off the campaign. He only received two goals. He's a big reason of why they're in that World Cup playoff. Miles Robinson, I know, faded towards the end, but he was a rock player. 
for the majority of this campaign. I went with Kamar Miller, uh, the Canadian who had the Canada had the mm-hmm. best defensive team uh, in all CONCACAF. He's there. The Cappy's there. Walker Zimmerman there as well. So I went three center backs. I went Anthony Robinson on the left. Anthony Robinson was a major surprise for me, not just for the U.S. Men's National Team, but in World Cup qualifying within CONCACAF. Uh, goals, assists, timely goals. The goal in Honduras away, and then the goal in El Salvador, uh, against uh, El Salvador in, in Columbus to, to finish it off. Tejan Buchanan on the right. I know he's played many different positions, has played this position as well as a wing back. One of the most dangerous and fun players you'll see in CONCACAF. McKinney and Edson Alvarez. Weston McKinney Oh, you was, did find a way to get a Mexican player in there. Great. Thank you I, for I that, thought you, That's but good. Edson, Edson's one of the big reasons why mm-hmm. uh, Mexico ha- finished off the campaign with five straight shutouts. He's a big reason of why they did well and got to where they are. He was probably their best player, Sanz uh, Memo Ochoa. And then it's Alfonso Davies. I know he was out for six games, but it's what he did in the other six games. It's how important he you was. You left him out. No, I didn't. He's right there. Oh, okay. He's right there. Oh, we made a late adjustment there. He's right there. He's right there. I got I got Fonzie in there. And then and then Jonathan David and Kyle Laren. And Kyle Laren, who for my money is, is probably the best player in CONCACAF today and far as far as merit, not talent, as far as merit. Wow, so you left Christian Polisic out after giving him a C on Aronunka. Yeah, I left him out. Unbelievable. He scored in what, three the, games. Leading the team in scoring wasn't enough. Is this how well you did with the US men's national team? Yes, it's a CONCACAF World Cup qualifying best 11. What did you think it was? CONCACAF, not U.S. Men's National Team best 11. Okay. <laughs> what, where did he score? What, what competition does he play in for the U.S. Men's yes, National Team? Yes, but, but you're telling me that he deserves to be over there over Kyle Laren, over Jonathan David, over Alfonso Davies. Put Christian Pulisic in the starting 11, you, you and your anti-Pulisic ways. I'm getting tired of it here on Football Americas. In case you missed it, this was from uh, earlier today. Production, roll it, because I know you guys are desperate for us to get out of here uh, on time. Remember Copa America Centenario, Herc, back in 2016? Gustavo Lopez, a U.S.-based journalist is reporting that CONCACAF and CONMEBOL are working on a joint Compa America for 2024 right here in the United States. Herc, who is the, or who would be the biggest of all the winners should this come to pass? U.S. soccer, because it's going to be hosted in the United States. And last time they hosted Mm. in the United States, 2016, they generated over $80 million off of hosting this tournament. So not only does the U.S. men's national team finally get better competition, and no offense to the rest, but if Mexico, if Costa Rica, if Canada, if the U.S. are to get better, they need to play against better competition. Well, now they will get some of that very good competition, the Brazils, the Argentinas, the Ecuadors, the Perus of the world. And on top of that, they're going to be 80 million or more richer it's a win-win for them they are by far the biggest winners in this potential Copa America I think all CONCACAF team wins because you got to get better competition this would be a great way for it I think especially U.S. and Mexico would benefit right they need to get better competition if anything else an event like this uh, would certainly help as far as that's concerned also Herc we have to say for those of us that are fans of the game I would Love, love for this tournament to come back. I really, truly enjoyed it back in 2016. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Before we get out of here, Herc, let's turn our attention one last time to the U.S. women's national team. They got a couple big friendlies coming up. Saturday, April 9th against Uzbekistan. That game will be played in Columbus at lower.com field. Then three days later, it'll be Uzbekistan again, April 12th in Chester, Pennsylvania at Subaru Park. Uzbekistan, ranked 48th in the world, never been to a World Cup, never been to an Olympics. The United States, of course, ranked number one in the world. So what should we expect from these games? Let's hear from the manager himself, Vlatko Andonovsky. Here he is. In this uh, in this game, like I said, uh, we have a certain objective set, and we just uh, have to get better. We have to evolve and uh, and get better in uh, terms of executing our principles, uh, uh, learning about certain individuals, and uh, also one thing that is very important: uh, this new group that we have. It's. Uh, it's a group of players that don't really have lots of minutes, lots of caps, but it, so it's important to put these players uh, through international experience regardless of the opponent. Regardless of the opponent, yet Herko, we cannot ignore that this is Uzbekistan, a team that will be incredibly overwhelmed by the U.S. women's national team. I'll note there was a plan to have a high-level Asian opponent for this window. Couldn't make it happen due to COVID. So despite that, what could you possibly expect, Herc, to get out of a friendly where the level of competition is so different? Well, reps for one. You could say what you want about the competition, but uh, CONCACAF uh, qualifying will be like this. You will find teams who will sit in a low block, mm-hmm. and you have to figure out how to break them down, how to be creative enough. So uh, can uh, Macario, can uh, Mallory Pugh, can Sophia Smith, can Trinity Rodman, how are these new players, how will they react in a uh, low block setting? How will they react to your system, to your reps? Uh, this is maybe not a win-win because you would have hoped for higher competition for Vlako, but this is a win in terms of of you're getting new players into your system and you're getting reps with said players. You know what the uh, Alex Morgans of the world, the Chris Impressors of the world, you know what the, the, the Megan Rapinos of the world are going to offer you. What can these young players offer you going forward? That's what he's going to find out. Uzbekistan ranked 48th in the world. Remember Paraguay, who the U.S. faced last year, was ranked 50th. And over two games, the U.S. beat Paraguay by a combined score of 17 to nothing. Okay, so from a competitive standpoint, I don't know how much value there are in these games. That's not to say, Herc, that they're not really, really important. We are three months away right now from the start of not just World Cup, but Olympic qualifying in Monterrey for the U.S. women's national team. And Vlatko Andonovsky wants to know who he can trust in those situations. And here's why the game against Uzbekistan is important, right? Alex Morgan, we just saw his banging home goals in the NWSL in the Challenge Cup, right? You don't want to be one of the forwards that's been called in for these games against Uzbekistan. And while Alex Morgan is doing that, you're missing chances that you could be finishing. So we may not expect much of a competitive game here against the U.S. women's national team, but these are huge minutes for the players that will be on the field for Vlatko Andonovsky in these two matches. The first, of course, is April 9th. The second will be April 12th. And that game, Hercules Gomez, will be on ESPN2. That's next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, you can catch that streaming live as well on the ESPN app. He's Hercules Gomez. He's now in his 40s, so those days are well behind him. This is Football Americas, and we will Why see you, you back here on Monday. Why did you tell me 40 felt like on this? Monday. I don't know. I'm, I'm still here in my 30s. I'm the younger sure, half of the show. Sure, sure. <laughs>